Good morning. I want to thank Father Joe for giving me the chance to celebrate the Eucharist today, as well as to offer a sermon. Father Boisel offers wonderful sermons, sermons that I like to attend, just to see how he offers an idea, he expands on it, and relates this idea so well to each one of us. These are big shoes to fill, and I'm glad through the grace of God to be given a chance at that. My family has been worshiping with you all here at Holy Trinity for about a year now. We've gotten to know some of you, and you, us. I'm pretty sure you all know I have a job outside of the church, a secular career, but you might not know what it is that I do for my salary. I work as a safety consultant specializing in fire protection for an insurance company. I examine sprinkler systems and fire pumps. I review sprinkler plans and their calculations and go to the job sites to make sure the insulation matches the prints, which is not always true. And I train people. Ever since I was ordained a priest and maintained a secular profession, my employers have always been nervous about employing a priest. Not one employer has put this in writing, but verbally I have been told that I am not permitted to mention Jesus Christ with any of the people I meet with in my job. That's a symptom of the world that we live in, isn't it? The secular world does not want to hear about Christ. This not being able to mention Christ is a heavy burden, a heavy yoke, if you will. This shows me something about my employers who wish to stop me saying what needs to be said. My employers believe they can control the world. They think of themselves as God and have put themselves in the place of the Lord. So this yoke is heavy, but I take it, because God will find a way to continue to help my clients. And God is very good about that, especially as my clients get to know me as we work together. They let me into their lives and their worries and their suffering. While I cannot mention Christ, there is nothing forbidding me from giving counsel if solicited and nudging them into the body of Christ if the Spirit gives me inspiration to do so. When people talk to me nowadays, what do they share with me? People are afraid and they are tired. First, the pandemic, with all the conflicting information we were given and somehow had to manage to make some sense out of our lives. Then on May 25th, George Floyd was killed by police. Peaceful demonstrations and riots bloomed all over our country, seeking to bring attention to racism and harmful police practices. Of all the people I have met, of all different cultures and of all different genders in our country, no one, not one person, has argued 
that racism did not exist here and that obstacles can exist for people because of where their ancestors came from. Not one person has argued that police procedures and protocols cannot be improved. On these points, we all agree. But what has happened is that divisions are being made in our society even though people agree on the starting point. Instead of coming together, people are feeling these forces to be pulled apart from each other. Our secular world is doing its best to separate us into two camps, to put these heavy burdens of conflict onto us, despite most people agreeing that there are problems that we need to fix together. This pressure to divide us is so strong that two people in the last month refused to meet with me because of the color of my skin. Another problem is faced by one of my favorite contacts, Carl, who's African-American and is a little bit older than me. Carl owns a construction company where 80% of his employees are African-American. While Carl supports removing racism and police retraining, he will not sign the Black Lives Matter manifesto due to the other items listed on that document, if you had a chance to read it, which he disagrees with. What this has meant is that many of his employees are not coming to work for him now. He said to me, when I started this company, I know I didn't get some work because I am black. Now, I'm not getting some contracts because I am not black enough. And this twisted situation is because of the pressures of our world, which makes us divided and fearful and anxious and angry. And that takes me to today's Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Traditionally, the Gospel of St. Matthew is believed to have had as its target audience Jews of the first century. Mark, Luke, and parts of John explain certain details of Jewish life. Matthew does not. Matthew just powers through events and gives accounts that clearly assume the listener of the Gospel is completely plugged into Jewish life and the audience knows all about life in this Jewish culture. Much of this is because Matthew founded the church in Antioch, and it was a large and mixed church of both former Jews and Gentiles. Today's Gospel reading is taken from the end of the 11th chapter, and so let us put this reading back into its proper place. The chapter begins with John the Baptist sending two disciples to ask of Christ if he was the Messiah. The principal theme that Matthew discusses in this gospel because he wants to show to Jews that the Messiah has come. After this, Christ talks about the fate of those who dwell in towns like Chorazim and Bethsaida, who saw the miracles he had completed while in those towns but still people rejected believing that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, 
due to the pressures of society not allowing people to wholeheartedly embrace Christ despite what they were seeing right in front of them. And then today's gospel starts. The Pharisees, whose society held up as being wise and learned in the Jewish faith by following every law and regulation they could find, well, they are rebuked by Christ. Rejected. Christ thanks God for hiding truth from the powerful and instead revealing truth to those who are not deluded by the world. Which the world scornfully labels as children because they are so unwise and unlearned by the world's measuring stick. Then Christ states that all things have been given him by the Father, and that no one knows the Father except the Son, and those the Son reveals the Father to. Not those the world holds up and says are right and powerful. Then Christ says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Those who are heavy laden with the burdens of secular life, who are worried about their standing in the world, those who will not follow Christ because they have too much to lose, being coerced or pressured or bullied into what the wise tell them to. Christ tells people to ignore what the world seems right and proper and instead to return to what God has always taught. Reject what the world says is right and choose the yoke of Christ for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So we see how Christ tries to move those hearing his words away from the Pharisees and others in the world. Those who are trying to drive people away from Christ by creating two camps where there should only be one. Both the Pharisees and Christ agreed that humanity needs to work out its salvation. The Pharisees followed the ways of the world and had a heavy burden, while Christ's yoke was offered in its place. But to take this yoke would mean the Pharisees would look foolish and surrender their power. So instead, they divide themselves from Christ. Well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The world seeks to divide all of us, one against the other. Plans to solve the problems our society has are put forth, and every plan is doomed to failure, no matter which group it comes from. Why? Because every plan requires one group to gain in power and those opposed to that group losing some power. Every plan preserves the divisions that we have. And i that's why I say it's time to think of a different plan. The plan Christ put out 2,000 years ago. The plan that rejects what the world was and is now, and instead is a plan of unification in Christ. The world seeks to give us a heavy yoke 
of conflict and division. Christ's yoke is light, and in him and under his yoke there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. This proposal is completely radical, and this plan is to grow the church. Bring the transformative power of Christ and the sacraments of the church into our houses and our towns and our cities. No governmental plan is going to come up with this idea, so it's up to us to put it into motion. Instead of anger and division, we offer peace and unity in Christ, a peace that is beyond all understanding and which is what the world so desperately needs. This world, which is torn and is tearing itself apart, needs Christ. And it is up to us to bring Christ to others so that they will come here with us. That is my fervent prayer. And while it might sound ridiculous and naive coming from me, I firmly know and believe that what is impossible to man is possible to God because he is beyond this world. We know that scripture says that God is love. And Dr. Martin Luther King wrote that love is the strongest power in the universe. Logically, therefore, God is the strongest power in the universe. We've tried everything else the world has suggested. I'm just arguing that maybe we should, it is time to try Christ. Amen. <laughs>